Welcome to The Way We Work podcast. I'm Ben Weber. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Humanize and your host for today. I'm pleased to be joined by some of my partners in crime here, uh, Tammy Kim, one of our co-founders and also our chief scientist, um, and Alexa Leitner, who's uh, also our internal director of people analytics, um, amongst other things. Um, you guys want to say anything about yourself, Tammy? Hi everyone, I'm Tammy. I lead the analytics team at Humanize. I got here when I met Ben and, and Daniel um, at MIT Media Lab where we were all doing our PhDs and we were all looking at how can we understand human behavior, especially social behavior better. Um, so we put together a bunch of sensors and trying to understand, can we understand how people interact and how they uh, behave and co collaborate together? And does that predict anything? Does, what does that mean? And what can we do with that data? So we really put on our scientist hat and really tried to understand, okay, let's, let's really try to understand this human aspect of the people aspect of how people are behaving in a very nerdy way. So, uh, <laughs> so that's how um, we started off and, and it, Things uh, happened, and now I'm 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 leading analytics at Humanize and working with awesome people and trying to get this um, you know out in the world so that more people could utilize this data and benefit from it. That's right. So things happen, and then you become chief scientist of a company. That's how it works for everybody. Yep. That's yep. Right. Yep. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Alexa, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Alexa Leitner, um, and Ben mentioned that I do internal people analytics here for Humanize. Um, I started just over a year ago here, um, and I was the first customer success hire. So I've actually, I work very closely with Tammy's team on um, translating all of the really interesting analytics that we do into kind of client needs um, and understanding and interpreting what our clients do. Uh, I got into this, I actually, one of my first jobs out of college was running a co-working space. Um, and that exposed me to just this world of the future of work. And I thought it was really fascinating. I dedicated most of my time at that company to figuring out the best ways to help people work efficiently and productively in an environment where they were co-located with many different companies. So um, kind of had its own unique challenges, but I thought it was really interesting to kind of build a community around around work. And so uh, when I heard about Humanize, I was fascinated by the kind of scientific work that we were doing to actually quantify that community. Um, and so that's why I started here. That's great. Um, yeah, and, and now we get to uh, record one of our uh, conversations for posterity. And, uh, and I guess it'll be, um, you know, moving forward, we'd talk about something that probably all of us get asked a lot, which is, how do you measure productivity? Right. And a lot of times, you know, my, my first response is, well, how do you measure productivity or can you define it? Um, but maybe I'll, I'll actually throw that question to both of, both of you. If you um, had to come up with a definition of productivity or what a productive day looks like, let's put it that way, um, how would you answer that? Maybe Tammy, do you want to uh, take first crack at it? It's a very difficult question, and I think it could be looked at from many different aspects. I think some jobs, some certain types of roles, it's it's easier to answer that. Um, if you're a call center employee where you have metrics that give you some sense of productivity daily, then that's something 
that you could definitely understand, okay, how productive was my day and compared to yesterday? Like, you know, is it a 20% increase or a 15% decrease? That's much easier. But for some people, it, it's the, the metrics or, or the understanding uh, of evaluation isn't that short. Um, it doesn't, it, it's not that short. Uh, you can't measure it in such a short time. And sometimes the outcome is, you know, longer than the lifespan of your work life, right? So you might work on something that 50 years later, something, something happens of it. Uh, a lot of the knowledge workers, especially in research and science, is often uh, in that field. And for those people, how can you measure how productive you are? And sometimes, like, even until you retire, you might not actually have a very strong uh, answer to that. So I think um, I've been approaching it from kind of two different ways. One is first looking at it as, are there some other metrics that are indirectly pointing to productivity? So for example, if you feel like um, you had um, a very good conversation with a coworker that gave you a new idea, or you got to finish a task that you've been really wanting to finish the past few weeks and you finally got that wrapped up and, and sent out. I think those are all real good proxies of, you know, even though I don't know if in the long term how this will add up, but each of them are good components that tells me that, oh, I, I got something done and I, I know something happened. So I think that, um, and a lot of proxies like did I was I able to find my coworker? Was I able to you know sit down and really have two hours of focus time to get something done? I think those are good proxies that could give us some information about how productive I am. Um, on the other end, I think there's definitely this a subjective um, kind of assessment of productivity, which is, is very valid, right? It's, you know, your manager's evaluation of yourself, or it could be your coworkers um, kind of evaluating the contribution that you're making to your team. Um, and in and self-assessment, of course, as well. And all of those are also, you know, in some ways, a good proxy another. I wouldn't say it's the objective measure, but it is definitely a good proxy to the productivity that is happening in the workplace. So maybe Alexa, also building on top of that, in your experience, when you're working with companies or internally, um, do most people have challenges defining this? Because I think one thing that came out as Tammy was talking was that it is something that is very hard to objectively pin down, um, at least at the individual level. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it's a really difficult thing to to measure and define because productivity is totally relative. So it depending on the day, the specific role, we talk a lot about productivity at the team level too, um, that you know, a team's productivity is not just a sum of its individual parts. So I would argue it's almost easier to measure at an individual level. Did I feel like I had a productive day? Okay, maybe I got certain tasks, I checked things off, but how did that actually influence the productivity of a team. So we work with um, our clients to try to understand the right ratios of different things to map back to what that team is actually trying to accomplish or what that individual is accomplishing. And I kind of think of it, I mean, again, it's relative and it really does depend on what you're trying to do. But I would say if you asked me to define a productive day for the average person or team, it would have kind of like a mix of five things. So one would be 
some interaction within your own team. So the people that you work really closely with together, um, you'd have some interaction with other teams, other departments, some exposure to other perspectives, um, because that can help you stay, you know, innovative and creative, right? Um, you'd have some time where you're active during the day, so you're not just sitting in the same place. You kind of have to mix it up. Um, you'd also want to have some focus time, so heads down work time. And then you want to minimize what we call transition time at Humanize, but it's basically interrupted time or it's like short stretches of time that you might think is focus time. So, you know, like brief moments between meetings where you have maybe five minutes to send an email. That's generally wasted time. So if if you look at that and you're trying to optimize for those kind of five categories, maybe you don't, maybe one day is all meetings with with your team and you might feel like it was really unproductive, but you can kind of make up for that by working from home the next day and getting a lot of focus time. Um, so I look, I would look at it at like a weekly level and trying to see, okay, how can I kind of mix and match these sort of five areas to make for my productive day, which then ultimately contributes to the team. But I think you, you brought up two really interesting points around uh, scope. Or one was that your point around, you know, a week or longer periods of time being a better uh, really scale to look at performance. But then the other point you made, which I also thought was important, was that um, really a team level view of behavior is probably more relevant when it comes to trying to define productivity or performance. And, and maybe, Tammy, I don't know mm-hmm. if you want to react to that. Yeah, I think for both, is it's very, very um, important parts. Um, just from the time perspective, you know, there might be a day that you feel like you got nothing done because you're like all day in meetings. But again, maybe that's okay from a weekly or monthly perspective that you just had to get that out. And, and you just, you know, in, in a way you did your quota, but just in a much more clustered way. Um, I think the same thing is that, you know, there might be days that you just have to get your focus time done, but you know, sometimes it's not. So I think we... Um, I really want to look at it from a long perspective. Um, Another, related to that time aspect, I think um, another thing that we've been looking at is kind of the uh, balance between, you know, productivity, like getting work out versus like long-term things that could be beneficial to your long-term productivity, such as like innovation or getting, um, getting um, more awareness of the various things that are happening around you. It could be, you know, reading up on articles or papers that, you know, you don't know if it's directly going to help you get things out, more things out today. But, you know, in five years, that's going to be the asset that really makes you distinguished and, and, you know, really be productive. So I think there's definitely different levels of timeframes that we should be looking at. And as organizations, you should, you know, I don't know, like as an organization, is it that like, this week you have to get something out and that's your highest priority or, or is your goal to have employees that you know last long and and they're they're growing and they're uh, more and more increasingly um, productive and happy in the workplace so i think time range is very very important and just to add to that i would say you know if you're looking at it like oh i accomplished this task today mm-hmm. you could have five people on a team who all accomplish their tasks but 
maybe they're the wrong tasks. <laughs> and so if you're measuring productivity purely on, did I accomplish my goals for the day or the week? If you didn't interact with other people on your team, you might be missing the mark entirely. So um, yeah, just kind of building off of what you just said. And then just to continue on like the team versus individual scale, I think that's, that's where I'm very personally very passionate about because I think individuals um, assessment of productivity could be very you know narrow-sided right you can feel like okay you know just you know working from home all the time just no one bother me I'm getting my work done and the 17 things on my task list I got it done like that might feel the most productive for an individual but but if you have new employees that you know should be onboarded and should get access to your knowledge and the expertise that you have and you kind of disconnecting from them is actually you know robbing them the experience or the chances of learning faster so that as a team you know it might be slower this month but in six months the both of you could be like double the productivity for example so I think it's very hard from an individual's perspective to to understand that logic or the, the dynamics. And I think, you know, managers or, or good managers are very, the people that sees that very well. So they know the individual talent, but also understand, okay, how can I make the dynamics and the knowledge transfer happen so that our team at, uh, would be more productive. So, um, I think um, just to add to that, I think the evaluation or or the the productivity assessment of a company plays a very important role there. Where if you are measured by the seventeen tasks that you like have your name stamped on and spit out, if that is the only way you're you're evaluated, then people are going to be encouraged to think that okay, that's the only thing that matters, and if I only got seven out of the 17 done, then I'm not productive. Versus if the company also acknowledges the fact that, you know, if this person made, you know, seven other people like double, doubly productive, then like, it's good that you didn't do your job today. And I think the evaluation should really encompass the nature of the work, how how the team and, and individual dynamics works together to generate the, the, the true productivity of the company. And I think that's an important point because the whole reason we're in companies is because together we can do something we couldn't do by ourselves. And we do often have this very individual narrow view because we're people, we're ourselves. Um, but that, you know, I think what's starting to happen now is we do have this, some good managers to your point have that visibility but now because we do have more and more data about things at a macro level, we're able to, to also not just subjectively say those are happening, but really prove it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's really interesting even beyond that is that as both of you were talking, neither of you said that working longer hours meant you had a productive day. And I just think, again, I know we talk about this a bunch, but it is very interesting because a lot of times when you'll talk to somebody um, and you'll say, hey, were you productive today? And they're like, wow, you know, I got up at 6 a.m. and I started working and I didn't go to bed until after midnight. I got so much done. Um, they'll probably also be exhausted. But that is kind of like commonly thought of as that is the pinnacle of performance. If you can do that on a consistent basis. 
And I know we all have thoughts about that, but you know, Alexa, maybe you want to react to that uh, that first. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty well understood that, that more isn't always better. And typically, if you're working longer hours, it means there are inefficiencies in the way you're working during the day. Sometimes if you work for a startup, it's just the reality, and that's what it means to be productive. But I would say that you could probably measure a manager's productivity based on how well they they empower their employees to work really efficiently and productively during the time that they're scheduled to be at work. Um, and you can start, you know, I know that we in our metrics can start to measure things like after hours work and maybe there aren't enough clear agendas in the meetings that people are sending out. And so people are in fact wasting their time during the day and it's crowding out their ability to send emails. So they send them all at night. Um, so that as a manager, I would look at that and try and, you know, make it more efficient. Mm -hmm. I think for me, it goes back to the scope question of, um, I can imagine like, and there are these with us too, that like, you just have to work 11 hours, 12 hours. There's just so much to do and you just have to get that out today. So, you know, and if you measured the productivity of that day, then yes, like I, I did a lot of work that day because I had, you know, three, four extra hours that I worked. However, I think from a long-term perspective, you know, that's not sustainable. Like people are not designed to work 12 hours or 70 hours a week for months and months and months. And that's why burnout happens, uh, exhaustion, employee engagement dropping, and, you know, people leave the company for those reasons. So I think it's it's more about the scope and, and, you know, it's not that I want to squeeze every little bit out of this employee that day. If that's the goal, then maybe longer hour is good. But if it's something that you want this person to thrive and really contribute long term, then I think there's no question about that. And it depends on if you're talking like time in the day, like some people prefer to wake up and send all of their emails at 6 a.m., take a few hours to get their kids ready for school and then come back to work, work a little bit, do their meetings, and then answer some things at night. That technically is a long working day, but there are built-in breaks that accommodate a person's needs and personal life and work-life balance. So um, I would say working, yes, like a 14-hour day straight, that's just not sustainable. But spreading it out in a way that works for you if you can build a team that's empowered to make those decisions, I think that that, as long as the team interaction is still happening. But it seems like there are these these metrics, these measures that, as we know, the vast majority of companies just aren't paying attention to, that they really need to think about when it comes to, of course, performance, but then also, you know, we use terms like engagement um, that just nobody knows what it means, right? It's like what you answer on some survey, which is fine, right? But I think there's this question on a more granular time scale, maybe not once a year, it doesn't have to be every day, right? But there's a question of on a weekly, on a monthly basis. Um, I mean, if you could wave a magic wand, what would be uh, the sort of metrics that, that pretty much every company should be looking at to make sure that things aren't falling off a cliff? Because we don't, again, as, if, if you're running a company, you don't necessarily have that visibility that this is going on, that people are burning out, that they are, um, that some teams are collaborating really effectively internally and having a very high cohesion. Um, and I know, Alexa, you mentioned uh, a, a bunch of these metrics. I didn't know if you wanted to maybe go into some detail on those or, or just um, expand on others that maybe would also be relevant for things like 
um, what we might call engagement. Sure. I mean, I'm biased because I'm thinking in humanized we're, we're all, metrics. We're all, we're <laughs> so, all biased here. Um, but, you know, I mentioned kind of the five areas to keep in mind that I think about if, you know, for a perfect productive day um, for a lot of people. So the specific metrics that I would look at would be time allocation. So how are you actually splitting up your day? Um, and if you have the ability to measure that, um, you could do it with your digital communication and if you happen to be using a sociometric badge or, or even just logging, you could do it old school style if you want, uh, but keeping track of time that you're spending in interactions versus getting quiet time, maybe time out um, if you don't have a badge, um, time out the amount of time that you're getting to just focus. I know that there are some apps like online apps you can do for that too, um, but starting to measure that at an individual and team level, I think is really important because then you can start to see trends. Like if I have a team of software developers and they don't get a lot of focus time throughout the day, that's a problem. Maybe they're in a, a really distracting work environment and they need some more focus areas, right? So that would be one. Um, and that also allows you to kind of be aware of, am I minimizing my interrupted time? Um, we talked about team cohesion. That's a that's a big heavy hitter metric. Um, it covers a lot of things, but it makes a lot of sense. It's like how how often is everyone talking to everybody else on a team? Which you know intuitively means you're going to have shared language, shared knowledge. You're going to have more trust. You're going to have. Um, stronger social relationships at work. So it doesn't even matter if you're talking about work or not. It's just about those relationships. Um, and that does correlate back to engagement, job satisfaction, retention, um, and all kinds of things like that. Um, and then I mentioned interaction with other teams. So um, looking at, we call it exploration in our metrics, but what is your exposure to other departments? How do you break up your time as a team across the rest of the organization? Um, and how does that change depending on what you're working on? I think keeping context in mind is really important. It's not just having like, we always have to have 50% exploration, but if we're you know preparing for a product launch and I'm the marketing team, I better be talking to the product team a lot more than usual. Um, so that kind of thing. And then um, activity level is another one. How active are you? Because it's important. It's easy to forget that one, but it is really important. You can't just sit down at a desk all day and expect to be productive. So those were those are kind of some main areas. And then there are things like response time to emails, or um, I mentioned that time allocation. You can look and see when you're actually allocating your work time um, to get at the overwork kind of aspects that we talked about. And it's it, and really just expanding on that. It's 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 interesting and it's obviously important that you brought up. The whole notion of context that that even if your role is a certain thing and Tammy you brought this up as well on a daily basis there are certain things that you might have to do or might be better for you to do um, even in the long term um, but that really that that kind of context there's not many people besides yourself who really know what that should be um, you know thinking about the work environment itself and whether that's productive or not it, it's challenging because depending on the work that an individual is doing or a team is doing on any given day, different things can be effective. Um, I, I guess, you know, throwing this to Tammy, you know, there's this question of, well, as a individual or as a company, how would, how would you think about how to either create a productive work environment or, um, 
or really how you should um, try to move within a single environment for you or your team to be more productive? Mm -hmm. I think um, there are multiple ways um, that we've, we've been recommending and we've been trying to you know, instrument, even in our company, how to um, encourage this kind of change. And I think the first one is related to what I mentioned earlier is just, you know, the concept of, you know, evaluation assessment that, okay, you, like, if you are not evaluated by, by the number of tasks that you finish as an individual, but it's, it could be the number of tasks that your team finishes or, or it's the co contribution that your team has or your division has. I think that already sets a different expectation on how people should behave and how to prioritize and, and think of their work. I think that's one thing. I think the other thing is, you know, very traditional, but just campaigns or, or um, you know, things that people do, such as it, it could be uh, talk to your neighbor day or, or anything that um, internally people, HR departments have, have been trying out to influence behavior uh, in a certain way, right? Um, so I think there's those traditional methods are obviously good tools for us to utilize to understand, um, you know, before and after effect. But I think the other one, uh, the last one is definitely also, it could be environmental or it could be um, uh, um, procedure wise as well. So I think there has been a lot of effort, you know, as Ben, you mentioned, uh, re related to office design and, and corporate real estate about, you know, the, the space that you're in um, changes how people work. And we've been seeing that over and over again in a very quantitative way from our data is that, you know, if you have open workspace versus closed offices, if you have lower dividers than higher dividers, all of that really sets the tone on, you know, how often do you bump into random people or how comfortable do you feel just asking a person a question versus trying to figure out yourself and and you know later find out that you did the wrong thing so i think there's definitely a lot of environmental things um, that people might not even notice that it's affecting them but it actually does and i think um, for me those those uh, experimentation is very exciting and i would just add to that and say well two things one i think Empowering the individual um, is really important, whether it's in the space design or in sort of cultural norms um, that, you know, yes, it is. We've seen over and over that an open office environment tends to lead to more cross-team interactions, more interactions with your coworkers. But again, if you are a software developer and you really need like most of your day to be focused on time, then you also need space to hide <laughs> um, and get work done. So I would say building an office environment that can accommodate that, those different things that one individual might need to do to contribute to their productive day is really important. But it's also really, really important to not undervalue the importance of culture and change management because if you build it, they might not come. You know, you can build this office space and people might still stick to their old habits. Um, so a big part of it is 
leadership and setting a clear and transparent expectation about what you're trying to accomplish, how you think the space should be used, um, that you built these movable whiteboard walls to create space. So if you need focus time, go there and no one's going to interrupt you and get the whole company to commit to those norms, because that's ultimately, I think, what will help people truly get the most out of their workspace. Um, And, you know, having, again, just clear policies around work from home um, and around when you set a meeting, having an agenda, what communication tools to use and when all of that helps, I think. It's interesting because, you know, Tammy, you were talking about the really the the powerful influence of the environment and how that does dramatically change how people work. And then, Alexi, you also made the point that that, that's a necessary but not sufficient condition for being uh, productive or or high-performing as an organization. That, um, And I think that we've probably all seen tons of organizations that have, you you go to their, their headquarters and it's gorgeous, right? And the work environment's just dead. It's dead. Um, or vice versa, you go to offices that um, look hideous, but people are, uh, you know, banging away, and they look like they're they're collaborating really effectively. Um, it's just interesting because it it really does seem like the vast majority of organizations don't really think about this holistically. They feel like there's one solution, and then I'm done. Um, and it sounds like what you're both saying is that it, it's not just that you need to think about everything from the beginning but that it's also this thing that you need to be constantly working at because it will never be perfect. It will never be the, the optimal uh, place to work. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a reason why a lot of the startups that start in a garage are so successful. Like everyone is in one space. If I talk about something, everyone in my company hears it, right? So, and but obviously as the team grows and it, they specialize and, and really distribute the work in a different way, the company need and the requirements change and, and the environment or the management have to be really at least aware of the changes in these needs and, and um, hopefully and accommodate it accordingly. Well, listen, this was, uh, again, as, as we all know, we could all talk about this for like days. So I think we'll, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll leave it at that. And uh, again, thanks. Yeah, let's all go have to, uh, productive days, guys. That's right. We're going to go do that. Well, we've already been productive, right? Um, so, yeah, you don't thanks. know what my focus time was like that's, today. That's right. No, <laughs> you got one check mark. That's Podcast right. Podcast done. Um, <laughs> anyway, but thanks for, for coming, guys. And uh, yeah, we'll keep the conversation going.